<laughs> we do not have Ryan Carthon coming. Well, we do, but we don't. Okay. I'm Maurice Patton. This now, is Chris Yow, and I have hijacked the opening to today's <laughs> Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint because when I saw that title card with Ryan Carthon, I'm like, wait a minute. We don't have Ryan <laughs> But we do. Yeah. Because we'll, we'll we have some highlights. There we go. Highlights of yesterday's press conference, but yeah, yeah, I was like, well, I mean, it's kind of the it's the biggest thing that we have to talk about today again, oh, without question. And if the press conference had happened at two o'clock yesterday, we, we would have we gotten would've... through with it, but we didn't. It was at four. We Time weren't on the air. <laughs> four o'clock. So we were not on the air. Guess what? More Titans talk today. And I will tell you that there's going to be Titans talk for a pretty good while in some way, you know, shape, or form. It's funny that we were so worried about how we were going to talk about the Titans post the season ending on Sunday. And now we're worried about how we're not going to talk about the Titans. Ladies and gentlemen, Terry McCormick will continue to be on this show for the foreseeable future at every three o'clock every day. Every day. Yeah. So, 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 so Zen Sports. Yay. Uh, you know, well, you're going to get your money's worth. No doubt. No doubt. But it's not just going to be Terry. We're, we're talking about all kinds of stuff with the Titans on our own. So plenty, plenty of Titans talk today, of course. And again, we're excited to bring you Main Street Sports today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. In addition to the Titans, we're going to talk about all three pro sports in uh, Tennessee because the Grizzlies, jawless and all, with a big win last night. We don't need no job. I have a question, and I'm, I'm curious to get your thought on it. And, and then, of course, the Preds last night just get embarrassed by the Ducks. And 
there may be a UC Soros problem. That, and, and I would love to I would it, love to talk to someone who knows a little bit more about it, and we will get someone on in the near future who does know a little bit more about it. Yeah. We efforted it and kind of ran into We some, struck out literally over four. Yeah. We were over four on Fred's guest. The golden today. sombrero. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, the golden sombrero. Yeah. Because that's what you get. <laughs> yeah. Pass the hat trick. Yeah. Did, did anybody have a hat trick last night? Uh, probably. I mean, crap, they scored five goals, so who knows? There's a good chance. But tough night for the Preds. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll also talk with Joe Sullivan, who joins us to talk about Nashville hoops. A lot of games over the weekend since we've last spoken with Joe. Uh, big wins for some teams and also some big games, of course, coming up tonight and throughout the week. So all of that, and of course, the weirdest and wildest news from Alabama. Oh, there's like three of those. Is it? Is it? Yeah. The Panhandle? Is no. it? Oh. No. Oh, so it's not like close to Florida. No, no. Oh. This is straight middle, Alabama, huh? Central Alabama, straight middle of the road. Like. Oh well. Yeah. Mm. Well, <laughs> Randy Newman wrote a song about it. I'm, I'm intrigued. It's gonna be nuts. Mm. So. Going to be a lot of fun. Make sure to stick with us throughout the show. Right now, though, we're going to get you, of course, yesterday's results, today's schedule on The Rundown. This is The Rundown. High school girls basketball action from Tuesday night. Allen County of Kentucky with a 49-47 win over Westmoreland. Columbia Academy went on the road. Picked up a 59-51 win at Battleground Academy. Brentwood Academy, 44. Christ Presbyterian Academy, 37. Creekwood, 68. Camden Central, 51. Cane Ridge doubled up Overton, 48-24. Cascade with a 58-52 win over Eagleville. Brentwood doubled up Centennial, 70-35. It was Cheatham County, 59. White House, 37. Clarksville with a 54-37 win over Springfield. Clarksville Northeast, 41. Kirkwood, 38. Cookville, 63. Smyrna, 22. Cullioka, 55. Hampshire, 15. Clarksville Northwest with a 68-42 win over Dixon County. Murfreesboro Central defeated Franklin County, 47-35. It was Davidson Academy, 35. Friendship Christian, 31. Lawrence County with a 57-45 win over Giles County. Good Pasture, 55. Ezel Harding, 46. Macon County, 51. Greenbrier, 47. Greenville, 41. Hendersonville, 21. Upper Falls, 67, Pennsylvania, 8. Hillsboro, 61, Hunters Lane, 10. Bill Burns with an 80-13 win over Knowledge Academies. Wilson Central defeated Laverne, 51-27. Lebanon Dow, Stewart's Creek, 52-42. Sycamore with a 37-25 win over Liberty Creek. Columbia Central's girls fall for the first time in a while. Dropping a 59-55 decision at Lincoln County. It was Lipscomb Academy, 58, Ensworth, 47. And Loretta with a 54-50 win over Moore County. Southern Gamak down to Antioch, 56-32. Downson falls to Mount Juliet, 54-49. Community down to Mount Pleasant, 64-31. It was National Christian, 44-28. Went over Donaldson Christian. While Noahville down to Franklin, 63-55. Page, a 59-44 winner over Independence. And Deep down to Falcone, 51-40. Father Ryan. 42-30 wins over Pope Prep. Oakland down Rockdale, 61-51. Santa Fe falls to Cornersville, 63, and flip at 36. 
Siegel, 37 25 winners over Riverdale, Smith County Downs, Watertown, 57 46, Station Camp Bests, Portland, 55 46, Stewart County, 53, Montgomery Central, 13, Ravenwood Falls to Summit, 41 27, and Spring Hill was a 54 51 winner over Warren County, while Wayne County in a big win over Summertown, 47 36. On the boys' side, Westmoreland down Allen County, Kentucky, 42-36. Columbia Academy falls to Battleground Academy, 58-51. As Brentwood Academy, 58-27 over Cross Presbyterian. Creekwood, 57-48 winners over Camden Central. Cane Ridge falls to Overton and a thriller, 68-66. Eagle Bowl downs Cascade, 67-44. Centennial downs Brentwood, 59-43. Cheatham County falls to White House, 64-59. Springfield over Clarksville, 70 to 59. It was Kirkwood 85-45 winners over Northeast. Cookville 70-31 against Smyrna. Kalioka downs Hampshire 58-43, while Northwest was an 88-83. That was 52-43. <clears throat> Is that not what I said? I'm sorry. No. Kalioka 52, Hampshire 43. Clarksville Northwest 88-83 winners. Wow. Sounds like a good game there. That was Dixon tough. County. Murfreesboro Central, 55-39 winners against Franklin County. Friendship Christian 69. Davidson Academy 55. Giles County losing big to Lawrence County. To visiting yeah. Lawrence County. 73-44 the final there. Glencliff 61-44 winners over Maplewood. Good Pasture down Zizo Harding 75-70. Greenbrier 54-43 winners over Macon County and Green Hill 48. Hendersonville 38. In a game that will delight shot clock supporters. Hunters Lane, 30, Hillsboro 23. Also, Laverne with a 73-52 win over Wilson Central. Stewart's Creek defeated Lebanon, 69-66. It was Liberty Creek, 53, Sycamore 29. Columbia Central goes on the road. Defeathers the Falcons of Lincoln County, 50-43. It was Lipscomb Academy, 56, Answorth 52. Loretta with a 59-46 win over Moore County. Antioch defeated McGavick, 67-22. Gallatin down Mount Juliet, 55-40. It was Clarksville Academy, 76. Mount Juliet Christian, 50. Mount Pleasant with a 63-55 win at home against Community. Nashville Christian, 44. Donaldson Christian, 28. It was Franklin, 46. Nolansville, 42. Independence with a 66-48 win over Page. Beach defeated Pearl Cone, 72-39. Pope Prep, 67. Rolling. They are. Father Ryan, 45. Providence Christian with a 58-39 win over University School of Nashville. It was Oakland, 72. Rockville, I'm sorry, Oakland, 82. Rockville, 72. Santa Fe with a 70-44 win over Corners. Will Siegel defeated Riverdale, 66-28. Smith County with a 65-30 win over Watertown. It was Station Camp, 52. Portland, 46. Montgomery Central, 47. Stewart County, 42. Summit. Got a game-tying layup from Derek Smith and a game-winning three-pointer from Derek Smith in a 62-61 overtime victory against Ravenwood. That's interesting. We can talk about that after the rundown. Warren County, 60. Spring Hill, 48. Wayne County, 74. Summertown, 60. Webb School with a 55-53 win over Franklin Road Academy and White House Heritage 48, Harper 39. Men's college basketball last night. Vanderbilt goes down to the Bayou and 
falls 77-69 to LSU. Fisk at home with a 67-63 win over Oakwood. And the UT Southern men continue their hot start to the season. 90-71 winners over William Carey. On the women's side, Fisk complete the sweep of Oakwood 68-49. that trip to the Virgin Islands was good for the Bulldogs and Lady Bulldogs. Huh? A nice little reset. Sure. And the uh, William Carey women defeated UT Southern 90 to 59. On the ice, Anaheim, the Ducks five, Predators three, and in the NBA action, the Grizzlies 120, 103 winners over Dallas. High school basketball tonight. Republic is at Montgomery Central. That's a six o'clock doubleheader. The girls will play at six. The boys to follow. Men's basketball action tonight is not true. No, no, no. You knew that. I knew that. Men's basketball tonight in the Southeastern Conference. Tennessee travels to Stark Vegas, taking on the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. Uh-huh. That's a 6 o'clock central tip. It can be seen on the SEC Network at 6.30 on the SEC Network, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this one later in the show. Illinois State, the Redbirds, come to the Curb Event Center, taking on the Bruins of Belmont. And in women's basketball action, and this one's also on ESPN Plus, also a six o'clock tip. Middle Tennessee State opens Conference USA action with a little trip to Ruston, taking on the Lady Texters of Louisiana Tech. And that is your rundown. Well, before we get into our top story, we will get into it here in just a moment, but. Summit Ravenwood goes to overtime. Ravenwood wins the tip and stands there. Much to the dismay of many on social media. Didn't work out for them. And that's the risk you run. Summit was content to let them stand there until they didn't need to anymore. And worked out for the Spartans. So, anyway. You know, one, if you don't want them to stand there, go out and press me. Clearly, someone didn't care. I mean, it's a tie game. As long as you're holding the ball, it's a tie game. <laughs> you can't beat me. You know, if you want to go to four overtimes like this, we, we can do that. All right. I ain't got nowhere to go. (laughs) I've told you. I don't have anything else planned for tonight but this ball game. As long as you want to hold the ball out there with the game tied. That happened to me at Jacksonville State. It was Parker and Butler, number one and number two in the region semifinals or region finals. One goes into overtime. Butler holds the ball for three minutes and 50 seconds, goes up for a layup, misses it. We have to go to a second overtime, and they played the game. They played. The second overtime. Well, well, they decided, hey, that <laughs> that, that didn't work that out didn't so, work well. <laughs> so well. Maybe we should just go ahead and play. But that's the risk you run, right? Is okay. Well, it is what it is. But I just thought that was interesting. That you know, one that Ravenwood, the undefeated to that point. No, not no. They lost one last week as well. Uh, okay. So, but which which kind of tells you that district is going to be crazy? Oh, yeah, Indy, Franklin. Nolansville, Ravenwood, Be- uh, Belmont, Centennial, Centennial mm-hmm. yep. and now Summit. Mm-hmm. Hey, apparently. Justin Lamb told, told us 
He said, you know, this coach has won everywhere he's went. What makes you think this is going to be any different? So there you go. And Thad Burgess has kind of announced his presence with a dog. Kind of. Anyway, just thought that was interesting. Let's get into our top story, which is brought to you, of course, by our friends at Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Make sure to go by and see them if you want your daily, daily lunch specials or fresh hand-cut meats. And, of course, great produce, all cost plus 10 at the register, Piggly Wiggly, and Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Today's top story comes from Darren Ravel, which is in and of itself weird. Mm. But um, an interesting thought process, an interesting idea, perhaps. As, you know, Brock Purdy has kind of made Mr. Irrelevant really relevant these days. And so piggybacking off that, the idea of the irrelevant bowl, where the two worst teams in FBS face off in a bowl game, which would have this season included 2-10 Vanderbilt and 1-11 Akron. Now, this is never going to happen, just for the record. It's not going to happen. But I'd watch it just because it's a train wreck. <laughs> how, do you, how do you prepare for that game as, an, as a broadcaster? This would be one of those games where you'd have to have the Dennis Miller booth from, from Monday Night Football, where mm. you'd have to have entertainers in the booth and not just football commentators. Like we're gonna need like, we're gonna need some comedians in here. We're gonna need to make this fun to watch. Proposed by Newport Beach, California-based promoter Roy Engelbrecht, the bowl game would feature a pair of college football teams that are either winless or coast to it. Cities would put in bids within the first quarter of the year to host the irrelevant bowl, according to the release. The city selected as a host site would retain all event revenue, including ticket sales concessions and parking fees no polls no rankings no controversy just two winless or near winless teams looking for redemption and one elusive win engelbrook said in a press release knowing that the ncaa has become more flexible with the number of teams wins to qualify for a bowl i will petition the ncaa asking them to grant a waiver in 2024 so that two teams would be eligible to play in the inaugural irrelevant bowl no polls, no rankings, no controversy, no chance, says Brett McMurphy. No chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, this headline on the CBSSports.com article that I'm reading from says, NCAA says no chance proposed irrelevant bowl between college football's two worst teams receives waiver. Well, that's an interesting headline considering that that quote comes from an alleged source of Brett McMurphy's. This is not even an alleged source of CBS. <laughs> this is somebody else's source. You don't know that the NCAA said that. Brett McMurphy said that the NCAA said that. But I, I, I feel quite confident <laughs> that the NCAA did, in fact, say that or say words to that effect. I'm surprised they haven't said it publicly to everybody, but not just Brett McMurphy. Well, maybe we should go to NCAA.com. Uh, I don't know, but no, I, th this game will never happen. Okay, but 
But why shouldn't it happen? That's the real question here. That's all I'm saying. I mean, okay, you can do this if you make it a week zero kickoff game. Now, the problem is that most teams have their, their schedules. Right. You know, already. But, and, and this, this brings me to another point that I've been wanting to talk about anyway. So we might as well get into it. And another point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we know that bowls are irrelevant. <laughs> and that wasn't necessarily supposed to, but, but they are, for the most part, irrelevant. The, the thing that, that is most important are the practices, right? And who needs them more, huh? So, <laughs> well, but think about this. Instead of playing bowl games in December, what is the drawback to playing them in August instead with the so you give the teams their 15 practices in December as a reward for their bowl and then you play the bowls before the season they count against your record so no opt-outs but it's the first game of the year so there's no reason to opt out and now those bowls mean something again we're already playing neutral site games everywhere anyway. Why is it not just this? Why do we not just move those games from December to August? I mean, it's certainly a paradigm shift. I mean, at that point, they... And then more northern teams, by the way, more northern venues could have bowl games. Those games, though, are part of your following year schedule, right? Mm -hmm. So we're already concerned with the the length of schedule. It's not. It's no different. You're just playing it on the front end instead of the on back. the back end. Yeah, there's no difference. It's. <laughs> As much as anything, it requires a different way of thinking, and that's why I point. <laughs> but, but it really does make a lot of sense. The only thing that I hate about it is one of my favorite parts of the holidays when I'm kind of relaxed and able to sit there and watch football for you know, 10, 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I can do that. All of these games would have to be played on a Saturday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on mm -hmm. or Monday, I guess. Right. They'd be played over a four or five day period, which I guess is fine, but it's not a two or three week period where every single game gets its own television. Mm -hmm. That's the big issue for me is that I want to be able to watch all of them and I couldn't if that were the case. But in the in the grand scheme of how to fix the bowls, that would be at the top of the list for me. Hmm. That would fix the bowls. 
it fixes everything hmm. because you still get your practices postseason with your new kids. So you've got you've got a winter, but you also don't have to prepare for a game while you're dealing with the transfer portal being open. You don't have to deal with prepared while you need to be recruiting for the early signing period. It really solves all the problems of the December period. And here's the, and, and now that we've got the 12 team playoff, we're still going to have games every week. It's not like we're not going to have games. And are you going to watch Middle and Ohio play in the Bahamas Bowl? Or are you going to watch the first round of the playoffs if it's on at the same time? I mean, you're going to watch Middle and Ohio. Exactly. But, but, but yeah, Joe, Joe Lunchbox here is a lot right. to refer to him. Yeah. It fixes all the problems. I guarantee you there are some unintended consequences to that, that we – that, as always, never get thought all the way through. Okay, but is it more likely that those unintended consequences outweigh the issues that we currently have with bowl season? Hmm. Good question. And I'm telling you, coaches would be all over it. You really think? I think coaches would be like, you mean I don't have to worry about doing anything in December but recruiting? Recruiting? Yes, please. <laughs> Especially at the power five. Now it is it is a it is a great thing for those seniors who you know are mm -hmm. trying to go out. But I mean, you still know when your last game is either way. And if you're five and seven, six and six, seven and five, you you know. Yeah. As opposed to wondering whether or not you're going to get in a bowl. Exactly. So. Hmm. I just feel like it's a. It's a good way to. You should get on that. You should start talking to some people who. I'll call. Can actually. Yeah. Affect that. I'll call Indianapolis tomorrow. Yeah, they. Yeah, yeah. We I, know some people. I, I mean, there are some people that we know who could make that happen. And could certainly run it up the flagpole. Sure. Yeah. And get the ball rolling. So I don't know. It's just a thought. No. I think we should think about it. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. All right. The irrelevant bowl, though, we agree. Mm -hmm. Not happening. No. That's not. <laughs> I mean, it could if you did this. Well, under these conditions, these would be the only conditions under which it would. So. See, I just solved the irrelevant bowl's problem, too. Well, <laughs> And and Roy Engelbrecht, thank Thanks. you. Because <laughs> it wasn't working his way. Not at all. No. Not at all. Uh, what, are you, what are we going to do when we get opt-outs of the irrelevant bowl? Well, that's going to be more like a no. No, dog. That's a no for me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, we have highlights from Rand Carthon's press conference yesterday. We'll react to those. Uh, highlights right after this. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, 
The best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Rand Carthen spoke with media members yesterday. Uh, following, of course, the firing of Mike Vrabel. Whether or not you agree that Rand Carthen should or should not have had to do that is irrelevant at this point. Speaking of irrelevant, so just, we should just call today's, today's word. Huh? The word for today is irrelevant. Huh? <laughs> it is. But I, I do think that it's important to to kind of hear what he did have to say since he did speak with media and was the only one to do so and was the only one to do so. So let's take a look at the highlights of yesterday's press conference and then we'll react following. You know, obviously with the news uh, this morning, Miss Amy um, informed Coach Raves that he would no longer be the head coach here. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank Raves for what he's done here the last uh, six years, uh, particularly the time that we've spent together. Um, you know, I want to thank Jen and Carter and Tyler for their sacrifices um, for allowing him to put in the time that he put in here while here is our head coach. Um, I also want to say, you know, I know there's been a lot of speculation over the last, you know, two, three months or whatever it's been about the nature of Mike and I's relationship. I will say that Mike and I, we've never had any issue versus whether it's personal or professional. Uh, we worked well together um, and had a good relationship. Uh, we were in lockstep, uh, so I want to finally come out and, 
you know, dispel that. And, uh, you know, I wish Vrabes, you know, nothing but the best. I consider him a friend, and I feel like we'll be that way moving forward. And so with that said, I'll open up for questions. Rand, you said when, when at the draft or when, when you were introduced that your number one thing was to serve Mike. Given, given today's developments, did you fail at that? Uh, I don't think we failed. I just think, um, you know, um, one of the things Mike's always says is that the ball isn't round, so you don't know how it's going to bounce, you know, and I don't think the uh, the ball bounced our way. You know, we were in uh, – we had seven one-score losses um, this year, so we were in games, just the ball didn't bounce our way. I wouldn't consider it a failure, but by no means, you know, were we happy uh, with the results, um, you know, and that's just something we've talked about you know, privately and as a group over the last uh, couple months of, you know, how do we get this thing right and how do we get this thing, you know, in the right direction. So I wouldn't call it a failure, you know, but it's definitely not up to the standard. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, uh, philosophically, um, like I said, back in, uh, in, I think it was my press conference, our football foundations are generally the same and where he cut his teeth and how I was raised uh, to see the game of football. Um, you know, realistically, it's only so many ways that you can play the game of football, only so many different schemes. Um, like I said, our, our visions were aligned. You know, we saw it a lot the same, and we worked well together. I guess what I meant there was in terms of where the franchise was, rebuild versus – you know, still trying to win another year. Yeah, well, I think that part, you know, it's a, a lot of moving parts, you know, to the game of football. Um, and there's no secret, you know, we've dealt with a lot of injuries here, you know, over the last, you know, three seasons or whatever it is. And, you know, we're having to mix and match pieces, you know, on a, on a week-to-week basis. Um, and it, it makes it hard. It makes it hard for, for any organization, you know, to do that. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of work ahead of us of trying to, you know, figure this whole thing out and how we can keep, you know, our key guys out there on the field and keep them available. Um, but it was just one of those things. It wasn't a uh, we weren't aligned or it, you know, it didn't work. It's, it's, it's really hard when you take the field, you know, I think we took the field Sunday with nine starters out. You know, and, you know, we were able to come away with a victory. But if you look over the last couple of weeks, look how many starters, you know, that we've had out due to injuries. And it's, it's just hard. It's hard to win football games in the National Football League as is with a healthy roster. It's just it becomes even harder, you know, when you don't have, you know, all your key guys. Along those, along those lines, Rand, along those lines. Mike Brable doesn't have a job today. What, what is the disconnect there? Well, I think, I think Amy spoke to her decision you know, of making, uh, you know, of the decision she made and why. Um, and that was about, you know, her long-term vision, you know, of the organization. Um, and, and, and that's really, I think, what it was. Along the lines of all the, uh, you talked about the season and being philosophically aligned and all. But in that regard, a couple of big big moves were made in season. The switch from Tannehill to Levis at quarterback, the firing of Greg Aukerman. Was everybody was that a, were those unanimous decisions by the organization at the time? Yes, every every decision that we made was unanimous. Uh, Mike and I we speak every morning, um, whether it's I come to his office or he comes to my office, and we talk about the task at hand for the day. Uh, when we got to the point of um, of making the move uh, from Ryan, um, at that time when we made the the initial switch, Ryan was injured. And that was about, you know, now we get to see what Levis can do. Um, and Levis went out and he played, he played well. 
um, I think had everybody, you know, in this room and our fan base excited about what was to come. And so we decided to make the decision to, you know, move forward and see what that's going to look like in the future and, uh, in his development. Video and you said that some consideration at least was given to a trade. Mike Brable, can you elaborate on that? And was he ever directly asked if, if he would be part of a, a trade? Uh, I don't know the nature of his conversations uh, with Miss Amy about you know him being traded. Um, I do understand the question about a trade. It's just not as simple. Um, and cut and dry, and you look over the history um, of coaches being traded, it's just not a lot in recent times. And when you say recent times, uh, I know Sean Payton was just traded for, but he was out, you know, and New Orleans had a, had a coach in place. Um, but there's also league mandates and rules that you have to follow, you know, before you can execute a trade. And, uh, you know, you have to, the partner, uh, if you will, uh, would have have to go through an exhaustive uh, process and meet the Rooney rules and all those qualifications. Um, and before we could even start interviewing, we have to have an opening. And so it just prolongs our ability to get the next and best head coach in here. What's the process, process going to be like in hiring a new coach and who will, who will be involved in that? So we're going to, you know, hit the ground running. Um, you know, obviously this is um, – I'll give you a little, you know, just to go back a little bit, you know, um, I just finished meeting with um, our operations staff, our support staff. Uh, I met with each uh, assistant coach individually. I uh, didn't want to do one big fail swoop of, you know, talking to those guys. I wanted to give those guys indiv uh, individualized attention. And so that way they can ask questions that they might want to ask about themselves specifically. So I uh, made sure I made the time to go around and, uh, in, and talk with each one of those guys. Uh, but we're going to run an exhaustive process, uh, process uh, to find our next head coach, um, and it's going to involve, you know, a lot of people. Um, you know, I, obviously I'll be a part of that. You know, Miss Amy will be a part of that and others. Um, you know, but we want to, you know, make sure that we're getting the right people in here. You know, I, I think it's it's going to be well documented, and I know you guys will, you know, do your due diligence and, you know, let us know what you think of every candidate, you know, that comes out. Um, but we also have to make sure that we're getting the right people in here you know, and people that everyone in this building, you know, wants to come in and work for. It sounds like, it sounds like you were not in the present in the room when Amy talked to Coach Rabel this morning of his firing. How much, is that true, and how much say did you have in the final decision to part ways with Coach Rabel? Uh, no, I was not in the room um, uh, when, the, when the news was delivered. Um, and these, these things are ultimately, you know, Miss Amy's uh, decisions. Um, I think um, organizationally structured, we both report to her. Um, and, you know, I know they've always had their, you know, their one-on-one -on -one conversations as I have, you know, with her throughout the year and just throughout, you know, my time being here. Uh, so, no, uh, I wasn't present, um, but that's just the way it is. All right, those are some of the highlights from yesterday's press conference, and, you know. And, and I, I got to say, one, I'm interrupting you. Uh, well, I was, I was actually going to say, what, uh, what, what did you well, the first thing, and we, we touched on it briefly during the the replay there, Rand Carthon mentioned that the Titans lost seven <clears throat> excuse me seven one score games this year. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um if six and eleven is the reason behind Mike Vrabel's dismissal, then shame on Amy Adams Trunk. Because I don't think you can judge Mike Vrabel on the on-field results 
of the 2023 Tennessee Titans? I mean, it's obviously it's obviously his point to to, to win games. That's his job. It's also it's somebody unfair. else's job to make sure that he's got players that he Capable. can win games with. Well, and that wasn't always the case. The fact that they were in seven one-score games is more of an indication of Mike Vrabel's ability to coach than the fact that they were six and eleven, in my opinion. Or you can go back to twenty twenty-two where the Titans lost seven games in which they were winning in the fourth quarter. You go to 2023, they've lost, what do you say, 11? No, seven. Seven one-score games. Seems to me you're you're capable of competing with NFL teams. You're just not capable of winning those games. And, and, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but that's that's the way that you could look at it. You could look at it that way. You could also look at Andre Dillard. And you could say, Mr. Vrabel, why are you not playing the All-American left tackle at left tackle? And I could ask you whose decision that was. And maybe that should have been a question that was asked in the press conference. I think that's a decision that... Uh, Grant, you drafted an All-American left tackle. He never played a snap at left tackle. Wow. Was there a problem there? I think that's a fair question to Rand Carthen. Well, we can't ask it of Mike Vrabel, can we? Well, no, no. I mean, I guess we could. We we have as much ability to ask Mike Grable as we do Rand Carthen. We. <laughs> I mean, we just, it just is what it is. But what I take away from this is there is a there is a vision that apparently is shared between at least Andy Adams Strunk and Rand Carthen. And the next head coach is going to need to meet that vision, whatever it may be. I think the vision is pretty clear. We're going to throw the football. And Will Levis is going to be throwing it. That's the vision. We're moving away from 25, 28 carry backs to guys who can get out in the flats, you know, Christian McCaffrey styles. I mean, just watch what Ty J. Spears did, you know, the back half of the season. I think that's what we're looking at going forward. We're we're about to be the Tennessee 49ers, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. If you can get there. I think, you know. But, I mean, again, that's going to put – that's going to change the emphasis on personnel. Sure. And – Historically, identifying, obtaining, and developing high-level receivers 
has not been in the Titans repertoire. Now maybe the change at GM addresses that. But if you're going to play like, if you're going to play like the 49ers, you got to have receivers and you got to have a bunch of them. Well, Debo Samuels ain't walking through that door. Okay, but let's think about this. Perhaps you know you've got DeAndre Hopkins. You know you've got Chris Moore. Is he under contract for 24? I think so. I think he's got their team option. And you know you've got Kyle Phillips. None of those three are DeAndre Hopkins or, or, or Debo Samuels. But you draft a guy who fits more of that role, who fits into that role along with those other three. And I think you've got the, the skill players necessary to be the 49ers. And that's fine. I, I don't necessarily have an option with moving in that direction. I guess I just feel like it's it's not something that we've necessarily seen this franchise be able to execute in its past. And maybe never, that's because they've never tried. They've never tried. This this franchise has has always been we want big physical receivers who can catch the ball over the middle and let's move who can get us first downs on third and seven so we can run the ball on first and second down again. That's just it. That's what the, the franchise has been since since we've been we here. Got here. Yeah I mean certainly in yeah. the Malarkey and Wisenhunt eras. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's I think it's a Rand clearly believes that he can work with the skill players they have and maybe plus one into that era of play. I, I think Slowick is a unique candidate in that he's coached both offense and defense. His dad coached uh, linebackers in the NFL. So and I would assume that maybe his dad comes on staff potentially. You know, I don't know if that's a great Monty Kiffin, Lane Kiffin type situation, but um, interesting. How much more Titans are keep well, going? We can no, we can catch this when we get Terry. I'll, okay, I'll hold it till later. But I just I feel like this is an interesting situation that that the Titans find themselves in because again they have the seventh overall draft pick. They have $100 million in cap space. They have all of these options to improve this roster immediately. And as I went back and looked at this year's draft, you can't give Rand Carthen less than a B plus. I mean, Colton Dowell is the only guy who didn't play consistently, but he did, he did make the 53 and was on special teams for most of the year. And he's got an ACL. So you've got, you've got a guy who can get the guys who knows who to look for, what to look for, especially in this Shanahan type offense that we think we're going to end up seeing. I think that's the vision. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Obviously I'm not in the room, but I feel like that's the vision. And I think offensively, the school guys are there. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Aaron Glenn is on the list. 
Detroit defensive coordinator? Um, as well as um, current Las Vegas Raiders mm-hmm. interim coach Antonio Pierce. Right. Someone said, someone put the Spider-Man meme, Vrabel and Pierce. <laughs> it's like it's the same guy. What, yeah, is, what are we doing here? You know, and, and that's kind of, I feel like, I feel like it's an offensive coordinator. I don't feel like it's a defensive guy, but for the Spider-Man mean, I mean, if you're going to go defense or defensive minded or defensively oriented, then you have that guy. And, and I mean, Antonio Pierce is probably that guy. I, I'm I'm a little surprised that he is on that list, and I'll be even more. Well, I won't say I'll be surprised. I'd be disappointed if Antonio Pierce is available. No, because I feel like the Raiders could take care of a lot of ills by just hiring him. Yeah, but you know who they want. And it ain't Antonio Pierce. Who do they want? They want Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh is going to the Chargers. It's not what uh, – there are enough people out there saying it's one or the other. Either the Chargers or the Raiders? And the better option for Harbaugh long-term is the Raiders. They don't have a quarterback. I understand that. What makes them the better option long-term? Because they don't have to cut salary, and the Chargers do. That's great. You can have a quarterback all day long. If you don't have anything else, it doesn't matter. Mm. And that's their big issue. What do you have in with the Raiders, though? The Raiders have a pretty good defense, for one. But they also have a core of offensive guys who you feel like are decent. You just need a quarterback to get them over the hump. Well, I understand that, but I would rather have everything and need one guy than have one guy need everything. That's the way I'm looking. They had everything and needed one guy coming into this season, and it got a guy fired. Trying to see if I can look at their where did they end up? Six and eleven? Seven and ten. That's what I was trying to find. I couldn't I, I don't I don't know. But I mean they they've got they've got that core of guys they like. Raiders were eight and nine. Okay. Well, how many of those games did they win? Under Pierce? Under Pierce. That's the real question. That is the question. One and one, two. My my resume is on the field, as the man said. (laughs) There you go. Um, Hang on. They had a winning record under Pierce. I think they were five and four. But I'm not sure exactly when he took over. They were. 
They were five and four after taking over on Halloween night. So. According to a lot of folks, Aiden O'Connell is the second best rookie quarterback in the league. Behind C.J. Stroud? Man. According per to, per uh, grades. He's the second highest graded quarterback in the league. Just a thought. Do you think Aiden O'Connell will be the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders in week one of the 2024 season? I think it depends on who their coach is, but I would I would say 70% yes. Hmm. That's as silly as it sounds, I think, yeah. I think he will be. It does sound silly. <laughs> but he was five and four. So take that what you will. Let's take a quick break. We need to talk Preds and Grizzlies before we get back to pre uh, Titans on the other side of the hour. So stick around on Main Street Sports today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the pig. 
Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Let's talk a little bit about the Nashville Predators, who got beat 5-3 last night in the 11th time. UC Soros has given up four or more goals in a start this season. The Predators are 0-10-1 in those starts. I don't know that UC Soros has given up four or more goals 11 times in a season. Yeah. Prior to this. to this year. And that just seems crazy that this year, when the defense was supposed to be better, um, has not been. Meanwhile, Yasserov Askelov is a AHL all-star. You just wanted to show off. I have no idea if that's how you say his name. I don't even know if I said it anywhere close to right. <laughs> uh, don't tell him about it. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yaroslav Askarov. Okay. Yet the Predators remain right in the thick of things. 45 points. Any chance that UC Soros is not the starting goalie? For the Nashville Predators post All Star break? I don't think so. I think that everybody in a decision making position with the Predators feels like this is just a bump in the road and he will be fine. Because that has traditionally been the way they have dealt with that type thing. And I don't anticipate a change, and I'm not sure it should. <clears throat> I understand that. Um, you know, I I gotta feel like, you know, halfway through the season, Predators being where they are under a first year coach. Yeah, uh, you know. They're the they're the number one or, or the number seven seed right now, and I mean I don't I don't necessarily know what the expectations were for this team in year one under Andrew Brunette, but I I would think that you know. You know, they, they got off to that rough start. They have kind of ironed some things out since then. And I feel like right around 500, a little over 500, under the circumstances is not necessarily a bad place to be. Yeah. And, and you kind of see what your problems are. Andrew Burnett said last night, I thought he was good at times. I'm sorry. <clears throat> We didn't give him a chance to really get his game going. We were sloppy. We were slow. We lost every puck battle all around him and all around our zone. Didn't give him a chance. Didn't give him a fair shake. 
I hesitate to say, you know, excuses. Uh, I don't think those are excuses. I think that's just what he saw as a coach. But I think it's, you know, benefit of the doubt is going to be given to UC Soros as much as you can because mm -hmm. he has proven year after year that he is among the top goaltenders in the National Hockey League. And it would be really hard to not give him that benefit of the doubt, particularly in a year where, like you say, the Predators weren't expected to be all that great anyway. So why not just ride out your great goaltender and you feel like you're going to win more games than you don't? And they have. They're 22 and 18 and one. This guy was fourth in the Vezina Vezina voting last season. Yeah, I think the top was, goalkeeper in the National Hockey League. And they League. were terrible last year. Fourth. Arguably the fourth best goalkeeper in the National Hockey League. I think you ride it out with him. And you're going to be okay. And I just don't think that. Well, he was a, he was a finalist two years ago. Mm. So, I mean, this guy just continues to be really good. You just got to figure out what's going on around him that's causing them to be not good. Well, and it's not like he's not good every night out. Yeah, it's just, but 11 times? In 40 games, uh, 41 well, games. Well, he probably hasn't started all 41 of so, those. 35 yeah. to 36. Okay. But one time out of every three, he's going to give you a stinker, and I feel like it's not all his fault. Because he's never done this before. And, they were, how and I don't times, think that one time out of every three is going to continue. How many times did I say over the last two years how bad this Predators defense was? Mm -hmm. Awful. Future, and yet they get better, and it's almost like he gets a little more relaxed. Maybe, maybe we need to be worse on defense. He's, he's you not, see said no. He's not on guard all the time. <laughs> he, he said no. No, said, we don't need to be worse on defense. His, his, I, I just need to get better. <laughs> he has some mental lapses. He's got to get over those mental lapses while we're out there playing in the other zone, yeah. which he's not used to. Yeah. Oh, we're handling the puck in their zone? What am I going to do? Oh, crap. Oh, there, there's the puck. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's it. I don't know. But anyway, we hope, we hope to get more insight on UC Soros a little bit either later this week, most likely early next week. So uh, looking forward to more Preds. We'll take a break. Terry McCormick standing by. Stick around. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. 
The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Time now to talk about the Titans. Oh, wait, we've been doing that Again. all day. <laughs> Terry, McCormick, Terry McCormick joins us now for your daily Titans update. What's up, Terry? Well, we're starting to hear a few coach names trickle out as far as candidates that they have requested uh, permission to interview. And surprisingly enough, most of the names are defensive guys, which I thought that a lot of people believe that they would go the offensive route, and they still may go the offensive route. But uh, quite honestly, you know, the names that have been put out there so far are a little underwhelming from the standpoint of, hey, this guy is absolutely somebody that can lead the charge. The Titans have requested to enter. The Titans have requested to interview Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald for their head coaching job according to Adam Schefter, which puts him in the lead as his name is Mike. <laughs> there you go. Yes, because they have a tendency to hire guys named Mike. But in addition to him, let's see, we have uh, Raiders interim coach Antonio Pierce. We have Lions defensive coordinator uh, Aaron Glenn. We have Bengals offensive coordinator uh, Brian Callahan. We have Giants offensive coordinator uh, Mike Kafka, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, and there may be one more that I'm leaving off, but uh, I'm sure he's a defensive guy. Do you really want the Giants offensive coordinator? Well, what does the Giants offensive coordinator do? Because I assume because Brian, Brian Dayball is the one calling the shots up one there. Thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, I'm with you there because I don't think you want to pull a guy. It's a hard sell to pull a guy from one of the few teams in the league that was worse than the Titans were. Mm -hmm. And the Giants were certainly that. Uh, the one name on the list that intrigues me so far, and, and like I said, this is speaking from the fact that I'm not really enthralled about hiring a defensive guy. I like the offensive coordinator from the Bengals because – Yes, you can say he's kind of ridden the coattails of Zach Taylor and, of course, Joe Burrow. But that Bengals offense was still pretty darn good when he had to go to Jake Browning uh, once Joe Burrow was out for the year. So that's a guy that it piques my interest. The other guy that maybe deserves some consideration, and I'm not sure he's going to get away from the Raiders, is Antonio Pierce because you did see a half season's worth of what he could do, and, and while – he would have to satisfy any questions that you would have regarding what he would do on offense. You can see that he rallied the troops around him in the aftermath of all the Josh McDaniels mess. You know, we talked a little bit about Pearson, well, earlier in the show, and, and it kind of feels, Terry, like Antonio Pierce is kind of Mike Vrabel 2.0. Yeah, I think so. He's a guy who's regarded as a – leader of men, so to speak, uh, certainly, uh, you know, is a guy that 
has played in the league, has a defensive mind, has worked his way up the ranks, and, uh, you know, did a decent job with the Raiders. We'll see where that goes. But, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think he's kind of almost a, a carbon copy of Vrabel uh, in terms of guys play hard for him. Okay. So I'll share this with you. Justin has asked, is Harbaugh out of the question? And my answer to that is no, not if they're willing to spend the money. Two things come along with Jim Harbaugh. You're going to have to pay to get him, and you're going to have to give him complete control. And maybe that's why Rand Carthon left the door open yesterday when he said about, you know, not declaring the vision, and Amy Adams shrunk about not declaring who's going to have final say over the roster. Because if you go for a splashy hire like Jim Harbaugh, you know the answers to those questions. Yeah, that's the problem. You're not, and again, I said this yesterday, you're not going to get an established head coach to come in and, you know, be worried about what the second-year GM has got to say. You're going to have to get a guy who is a little bit, you know, green and a little bit less sure of of his personnel abilities in order to work with Rand. And, and I think that's where, you know, that's where guys, you know, like even McDonald. Uh, what about Todd Munkin? He's fixing to get his third ring in three years if all goes to plan. And I, I don't know. The, the other guy that I like is uh, the Lions offensive coordinator. Uh, well, every, everybody like everybody likes him, Terry. I think and that's then, a of course, the Texans' offensive coordinator is uh, Bobby Slowick, who has a history with Rand Carthon. So I would think that at some point, you know, he's at least going to get an interview, and they might also give an interview to uh, Mike Lafleur, who is Matt Lafleur's brother. Now I know he got fired by the Jets that 2022 season, and that's. That's certainly a bad mark on his resume. But come on, let's give the guy a break. He was working with Zach Wilson here. You know, he's not exactly tearing it up. But he has now gone to the Rams as their offensive coordinator, and they've been resurgent this year. And he turned a guy like Puka Nakua into a star after he was a fifth-round pick. So that's that's in his favor. And then the other thing – and – and let's talk a little bit about, you know, the whole how far-fetched the Harbaugh situation would be. The one thing that I will say here is, and, and tell me you, if you guys disagree, but what little I've dealt with Rand Carthon, he's not a big ego guy. He's a guy who, can, who does his job and is fine working behind the scenes, and as long as the results are good and the organization is running well. So he's one of the few general managers out there that could probably fit with a big ego and a big personality and a big control guy like Harbaugh. Well, wasn't that – okay, but isn't that what Mike Vrabel was? Yes, but he doesn't have the skins on the wall that Harbaugh does. Okay. 
let me ask you this question because Ian Rappaport made a comment on some show this morning that caught me by surprise that Mike Vrabel was presented with several options and didn't take any of them. Any ideas what some of those options may have been? Do we think that those options were you can stay, but some coordinators got to go, et cetera, stuff like that, or what? My guess would be it was in one of two or three areas. Coaching staff certainly would, was probably one. Uh, how much power and control he might have over say-so on the roster and, and things like that. And then the other would probably be just overall philosophy, especially as it relates <laughs> to the offense on that side of the ball. Want, wanting to open things up and get more weapons and be a more prolific offense to take advantage of the arm and, you know, what you have in a young quarterback in Levis. Okay. Certainly, it, it just kind of begs so many questions. And, you know, Rand answered a lot of questions yesterday. He threw it back to Amy's comments as well at times. But, I, I mean, it really – Yesterday's press conference, especially with the question that you asked, and he said, you know, they were in lockstep throughout with decisions such as Levis and, uh, you know, Kevin Byard, et cetera. It almost felt like, okay, well, then what was the point? True. You know, and, and I'll say this, you know, you know, a lot of people, including myself, you know, said, you know, we didn't get a lot of answers from Rand Carthon yesterday in terms of what happened and where this organization is headed. Now, in fairness, uh, I think Amy Adams Strunk kind of just threw Rand Carthon under the bus here because Rand Carthon admitted he wasn't in the room when she fired Brabel. And he said that he and Brabel got along and that things were good between them. So why, you know, in my opinion, she should have been out there fielding the questions as to why she fired Mike Rabel and what direction she wants to take this franchise rather than having Carthon take the fall when it was clear that he was not prepared uh, to give out that information and maybe didn't even, I mean, probably knew it, but not the entire uh, ramifications of what went down because he wasn't in the room. So I'm going to ask you the question that I asked on social media this morning. Did you watch the interview with Mike Keith, I assume? Yes. Is there a question that he didn't ask that you would have? There was pretty much any question that was thrown at Carthon in the press conference should have been asked. Most yeah. of those questions, I mean, as, as evidenced by him throwing it back to Amy's so most of those questions were asked and answered. Some, yes, some of them were. But I'm just saying that, you know, as far as what their vision is for the team going forward, how the firing well, she went said down she's not prepared. Good. She said she's not prepared to share that. He'd said that as well, which is understandable considering, you know, you have to interview guys and you can't yeah, just. Yeah, but you can, give, you can give the standard rank and file answer. 
Our goal is to build a franchise that can win the Super Bowl and to be a yearly contender and be ready to go once we move into our new $2 billion stadium. What's okay, so let me ask what, no, Hold up. If, if, if you can formulate that vision, then why do they even need to say it? Yeah. Well, I mean, just for I mean, the looks of it, probably. Uh, you know, so okay, that they can say, the so that though? so that they're on the record as saying what it is they want to do. I mean, but I think we all the, kind that's of not know. the vision. I, I don't think I, I don't think that's the vision that they're talking about. Of course, that's everyone. I think the vision, vision is how you're going to go about accomplishing that. Right. I think that's True. what you're looking for to be the yeah, vision. Yeah, and, 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 and I'll give you this. I, the vision with John Harbaugh is certainly different than the vision with Bobby Slowick. Agreed? Maybe. In, ter in terms of if you're bringing in Bobby Slowick, he's going to mesh with Rand Carthon, and together they're going to probably, Amy Adams Strunk is probably going to have the two of them. Maybe Carthon will have final say over the roster because he is the GM and he has been here for a year. Maybe he has final say over the roster and Slowick answers to him, and they both answer to, Bray, to Amy. If you hire John Harbaugh or somebody who is a high-profile guy, John Har or Jim yeah. Harbaugh, I mean, Jim Harbaugh has got control over John personnel, Harbaugh? and Jim and Rand Carthon is answering to Jim Harbaugh because you're paying Jim Harbaugh $20 million a year to be your coach. Sure. I, again, though, the vision is, in my eyes, what they're talking about vision is the style of play and how we're going to build the team and what we're what type of player we're going to build the team around. We're not we're no longer building the team around Derrick Henry's and you know that sort of thing. We're building it around Will Levis. And, and well, so how do you how how do you go about doing that? I feel like that's the vision that they are not ready to share because prospective head coaches need to tell them that they don't need to tell those hit the, the interviewees. But then again, that's pretty much a given too, because you've already pretty much proclaimed Levis as your, your quarterback of the future. And so whoever you bring in, if you're changing systems and you're changing coaches on a guy who's been, in, who's been starting in the league for half a season, you better be bringing in somebody who can maximize him and get the most out of him. Because if you don't, he's going to fall flat on his face. You're going to win six games like you did again this year. And then two years from now, if things haven't improved, not only is the coach going to be gone, the GM is going to be gone, Levis is going to be gone, and we're going to be right here at square one again. Okay. I mean, we, we all kind of know that, and they, and they probably could have said that. But, again, you want those prospective coaches to tell you that in the interview. You don't want to tell them what you want to hear ahead of time. So I understand not not giving the vision away. I, I just I don't know. I I thought Mike's questions were pertinent. I think they I thought they were all of the questions that I would have asked. Maybe a follow up on some things, but I, I mean even in six minutes I thought that he asked all the questions that had to be asked. Maybe I'm wrong. That's why I asked you because I thought maybe I you get know. it. And, and but Mo, you'll I think you'll back me up here. As a journalist, 
you want the opportunity to get your own answers rather than the canned answers that's coming from the team. You see that yellow thing that's right there in front of you guys? The softball? Yeah. That's what most of those questions were. And I don't expect anything any different from the team because they they have to spin this as best they can as they go looking for a new head coach. But I would like to have had the opportunity for myself and other reporters to press a little bit more on what the issues are with the firing of Brable and surrounding this team and where it's going moving forward. I can appreciate that. And, and I do see what you're saying as far as that goes. And I do feel like Amy Adams Strunk should have made herself available. She was the only other person in the room when Mike got the news. She should have been available. She wasn't. It is what it is. I mean, it's unfortunate that she was, and it's unfortunate that the Titans media core did not get to ask her. But I'm going to disagree with you on the softballs. I just 100%. Absolutely disagree. I think Mike Keith asked the questions that were going to be asked. You got he got the answers that you would have gotten because if you don't think that she was prepared to answer, why'd you fire Mike Grable? What's the vision of this team? Uh, who who's the hierarchy going forward? If you don't think that she already knew those answers, you're crazy. True, but you know when you're in a setting, you know completely different. I understand. Setting, I understand. It's more comfortable for, but it's the answers you were going to get. Maybe. I mean, sometimes things come out when, you know, there's a back and forth and the asking of questions in front of 20 media members as opposed to a guy who works for you. Okay. I, you, there certainly have been some slip-ups in, in press conferences before. Mm-hmm. There's no question there. I will give you that. Uh, it, it's a it, again the comfortability factor does does weigh in I think on how you answer questions because you get nervous and you start freaking out or whatever I, I don't know that she would or wouldn't have but I do think the questions that he asked were the pertinent questions I was just curious if you had any specific questions that you would have asked that she didn't I think she I would I mean she probably wouldn't answer it but I would have asked what were what were the parameters that you set forth in front of Mike to keep his job. And, you know, what was it that he didn't want that he couldn't yeah, live if with? We had known, yeah. Did we, did we know that before Ian Rappaport said something today that he was given options? Uh, I don't know that that was out there at that point, but you can, you know, I think people would have wanted to know how the conversation between the two of sure. them went because you know that it was just the two of them in that room. Yeah. Terry, here's a question that I would like to have heard asked of Ran, and the only person who would have liked to have heard it asked more is Chris. As we talk about the personnel on this 2023 roster, why did an All-American left tackle never play left tackle? Whose decision? That was asked, and he said that it was considered. He said it was considered, but they decided in the end that having – you know, moved him to left guard and him, you know, learning that position. They didn't want to complicate things by having him have to relearn the left tackle position at the pro level. That was kind of the explanation that was given. So, yes, it it was asked. He's 
He played four years, five years, whatever, Northwestern. He's a pretty smart guy. I think he could have handled True. it. True. But, I mean, he <laughs> was asked an the, answer. The, so. the Northwestern part is the, the key there. <laughs> yeah. He can figure it out. I think he. I think he'd be okay. He's got the mental capacity to make it work. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm. I'm glad to know that was asked. I didn't hear it. I didn't yeah. hear the entire press conference. But. Okay. Well, look. I. I just. I feel like. I feel like we're certainly going to continue on this road, and we've we've got questions upon questions that are going to be asked, and we're going to have to. Uh, talk about over the uh, especially over the next probably week or so uh, I know that they didn't give a timeline but clearly they're already on the ball on this thing I mean we're, we're going to see some some movement in the next probably week or so I would I would expect yeah I think you got to do it be before the Super Bowl unless you got your eyes on somebody that's who's coaching in the Super Bowl <laughs> you know if you have your eyes on uh you know Mike McDonald? Ben Johnson or something, and the Lions are in the Super Bowl, then you're going to have to wait on it. By the way, I'll throw one more name out there that is, I think, is of interest, especially around here. And I think that's somebody that they will consider. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he doesn't get the job. And yes, he's a defensive guy, but mm -hmm. he's at least the defensive guy you know, and that's Jim Schwartz. I thought you were going to say Gerard Mayo. Gerard Mayo is also there's a list on TitanInsider.com mm -hmm. of the list of possible head coaching candidates, which doesn't mention a lot of the ones they asked for permission of today, but some of the bigger names that are out there. And Gerard Mayo is certainly on my list. All right, Terry, thank you. Tell us about Zen Sports. The new right. sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports with up to plus 500 odds, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours if the bet loses. And there's more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top-tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports Play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 
This holiday season, the largest lantern festival in the country returns to Nashville Zoo. Witness more than 1,000 handcrafted Chinese lanterns featuring brand new designs, including towering mythical beasts, a life-sized Santa's workshop, and a 100-foot-long dragon. Welcome back to Zoo Illumination at Nashville Zoo. Bigger, brighter, and better than ever. We're back here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, coming to you live from the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. And no, Justin Trent Dilfer and Butch Jones will not be a part of the next Titan staff, nor will Derek Dooley, uh, certainly for special teams. But, you know, <laughs> he's trying to get votes. Well, I mean, hey, Tennessee hey, fans dude. are already mad because the Titans don't cater to well, them. I mean, Dooley did spend time with the Cowboys. There you go. He was an he was an analyst with the Giants, him and Dick Pruitt at the same time. <laughs> they all got fired. That would with, explain uh, a lot. Jason Garrett, when mm -hmm. Garrett was the OC, they all got fired together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, suddenly man. it all makes sense. It, it all makes sense now. But, uh, we are shifting finally yeah. from football to hoops as big game tonight at the curb, but not not bigger than Sunday's game for Belmont as they open the Valley season at home against Drake with a big win. And we're going to talk about that and every other game we can possibly get in with Joe Sullivan, proprietor of NashvilleHoops.blog. What's up, Joe? Hey, fellas, how you doing? I'm surprised you have time with me uh, for me with all this NFL news. Uh, we, we are wedging you in. <laughs> we, we are wedging we, you in because Wednesday is your day, and you've been uh -huh. gracious enough to drop back to Thursday the last couple of weeks while we kind of been on holiday schedule. But, yeah, we, we don't have long, though, so make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever yeah. you guys need. No, you know, um, I, I, I want to go back to a guy that we've talked about a lot on this show with you. Malik Dia kind of had his coming out party on Sunday, didn't he? Boy, it was, uh, he was spectacular at times. Uh, uh, and it was the, uh, it was the full Malik show. Uh, uh, he, so uh, Greg Sage, the PR guy at Belmont, came up with a great stat. Last season against Drake in two games, uh, Belmont only made two three-point shots, which is hard to believe. <laughs> and Dia made two in the first minute of the game Sunday. And uh, and then it continued from there. And then we got a you know a breakaway tomahawk. We got a couple of spinning Rama uh, layups when they, they they really couldn't cover them. They didn't have the uh, anyone athletic enough to cover them. And uh, in the beginning, they made the mistake of laying off him, and he and he hit the threes. Uh, and that's where you get, the, I think, uh, you know, career high for him, 32, I think. Do I have that right, mm -hmm. Mo? 32, 31? Mm -hmm. And uh, just a great performance. And if he, I don't think you can expect him to play that well all the time. But if he did, that certainly would be uh, change a lot of things for Belmont and uh, in the Missouri Valley. And it's just incredible to me that they were able to win that game so easily uh, without Jacoby Gillespie, who's out with the with – the, what they're saying is – 
it's a wrist injury, but they won't say what the exact nature of it is. Uh, but he did have a cast on sitting on the bench. You mentioned, Joe, coming into this ball game that more than half of the NBA was represented at the game to see Drake's Tucker DeVries. How much did Malik steal DeVries' thunder, do you think? I mean, do, do you feel like those scouts kind of walked away with some notes on somebody else from that game? So I was chatting them up before the game, uh, and uh, – they are so on top of it. They, they are aware of everyone, you know, like, so, you know, like uh, they know about Dia and they know his strengths and weaknesses. They really do because they were, there was a scout explaining it to me. And as he said it to me, I go, he knows this guy. And, uh, and they like Jacoby uh, Gillespie, which surprised me uh, that uh, a couple, you know, I was, sitting, I was talking to like three different scouts before the game uh, together in a group conversation. And uh, it surprised me that they that Jacoby Gillespie would be on their radar, but they like him. You know, they like his smart play, and certainly Dia for talent alone and size, they like him. He's proven he he hasn't proven that's overstated, but he shows he has the capability of having an outside game. And uh, and of course they and and Kay Tyson they were interested. In. They told me that too. Besides the Vries, so like when I when I when I met them, I, I joked, "Oh, you're here to see the Vries." They go, "That's not all. We're here to see others too." Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad to hear that because. Well, I mean, when you look at Dia, oh, he I mean, the there's there's an NBA body there. I feel like mm-hmm. if he can do on, like you said, if he can do on a consistent basis what he did on Sunday, then he's a guy that you have to certainly consider. Yeah, well, and uh, at his size, he moves very well. And he can handle the ball pretty well. Uh, and uh, those are all assets that the NBA would look at. That that would make even, you know, he's. I guess we're gonna say he's six nine. That sounds about right to me. But you know, he's got to be at, at the NBA these days. That you know, he, he's got to be an outside player because that's the oh, philosophy yeah. of so many teams anyway. And uh, he's got a chance without a doubt. He's got a chance without a doubt. This win on Sunday. What does this mean for Belmont? Well, it really puts them back in the. They're three and one now, by the way, Chris. I know you said uh, when you when you brought me on that it was their opener, but they actually played two in December. I don't mean to. Uh, uh, just wanted to set the record straight, uh, and uh, so they're three and one now, and uh, that puts them in position to maybe contend here if uh, they can sort of get past the uh, the Gillespie injury and keep winning some games. I mean, the road's always going to be tough, so. Uh, they, that's why they have to win tonight against Illinois State. It's a home game. They can't mess up. Illinois State's not horrible. They should win. Uh, but I, I looked it up. Uh, they're six and a half point favorites. So that sounds about right. And they uh, they should win tonight. They're going to have to win games like this with or without Gillespie. I mean, one thing that with, with Gillespie missing is that they have Keyshawn Davidson ready to re- come back into the starting lineup. We uh, we wrote about that on the blog this week, and uh, uh, I'm. I know I shouldn't get too uh, personally connected, but I just think he's a great kid, and I'm really happy for him that he's getting another chance. And, uh, and he's another local product as well. Played his high school ball over at Oakland in Murfreesboro, and so anytime those local high school products get to continue to to shine on the local collegiate level, we we like to see that. So yes. um, hopefully he can. 
continue to produce for Casey Alexander and the Bruins. And like you said, this game tonight, Illinois State comes in here at eight and seven overall. I don't know what they are in league play, but uh, two and know, two, I think. But for Belmont to continue to try to make a run at the top of the valley, they need to, you know, build on that big win over Drake with with a win tonight. Well, especially going into a road game this weekend in Terre Haute. Well, that's it. Saturday afternoon, they're at Indiana State. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'm going to try to talk to Casey after the game, I, it, especially if they win. It'll be a lot easier, of course, uh, to do uh, to look ahead to Indiana State on Saturday. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, like to write about that before the game on Saturday. It's a, That's a huge game. Indiana State is unquestionably the best team in that league now. We can say that uh, they have uh, – they're a tremendous offensive team of the, the advanced offensive analytics. Uh, they're up there among the leaders in the nation in a lot of categories. So they're, uh, they have a lot of options and, and, uh, and our favorite player. Uh, uh, oh my God. Now see, Robbie. Have, yeah. Ricky, you shouldn't have old people on the show because his name is slipping my mind now. It, it's Robbie something. I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. He, yeah. um, he's, He's got the goggles Looks on. Looks like Clark Kemp, so he's like Superman. Yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. That I'm uh, uh, that's slipping my mind. I'm, uh, Hang on, my we're, we're going to get it. Listeners. But Joe, uh, weather weather permitting, there are worse drives than Terre Haute from here. What's what's the uh, driving time? It's about four and a half. Uh, that's not bad. Sure. No, Robbie Avila. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Goggles uh, and all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah, he's definitely my favorite player because my nickname in high school was Scuba Steve. I wore the Rex Specs like Horace Grant. <laughs> so until my junior year when I started wearing contacts, I was I was a Rex Specs guy. That's a look. That's a look right there. It was indeed. Yeah. I had this big red spot at all times in between my eyeballs from the from um, the glass oh, and pushing it, it's terrible. Oh, goodness. You should have loosened that strap up a little well, bit. Well, then they fall now. down or something. you, you got to keep them tight. <laughs> goodness gracious. Joe Sullivan of NashvilleHoops.blog joining us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Um, what's the update elsewhere so in I, you know, City? I was going over this before I came on the air, uh, so I am prepared despite my uh, gaffe there. Uh do you know, every team, the five teams that we cover on the blog has been touched by injury. So, you know, Gillespie's the latest one for Belmont. And Marcus Fitzgerald hurt his thumb uh, and is going to be out. He, he, he only played like three minutes uh, at uh, Southern Indiana, and then he didn't play against Morehead State. And Penny told me he's not playing Saturday against Lindenwood. So he's out. And, of course, we had the big injury at Middle Tennessee with Cameron Weston. That pretty much ruined their season, we could say. And, uh, and, of course, Vanderbilt's had their share of injuries. You know, Terrell Lawrence didn't play early. And that, and then uh, Colin Smith is out for the season with an Achilles injury. So it seems no one has been spared uh, in the injuries around here. And that's unfortunate. I think it, it could make, uh, make a difference for at least some of the teams. How does Lipscomb bounce back from the loss of their preseason all-conference player? Yeah, so I, I, geez, I skipped that one, didn't he? Agnanovic is announced. Jacob Agnanovic announced that he is uh, 
the school announced, I should say, mm-hmm. that he's not going to play this year. And, of course, they lost Darian Board, who has been their leading scorer for a few weeks, too. So uh, that, that completes the injury uh, circle there. Thank you, Mo. And it's mm-hmm. – uh, Look, they've been playing without him. I think they can still do well without him. I think they have a chance. Uh, they have a chance for three days in Evansville in March. They're going to have as good a chance as anyone to win that tournament, in my opinion. That's the wrong tournament. That's the Ohio Valley. No, there'll be home court advantage in Atlantic That's Sun. right. Yeah. So they'll still have to go to Eastern Kentucky and win if Eastern Kentucky finishes first. So that's the you know that's the uh, the importance of uh, finishing as high as you can in the Atlantic Sun because you get the home court throughout. And and all of these teams are pretty much in one win. I mean, one bid conferences. So it's almost say, a situation where what happens in January and February, other than as it relates to home court, if you're in a home court tournament situation, that's the only, that's the only thing that matters until you get to March, I guess. Well, that's I, – I, I would argue all the games are important. You want to do as well as you can, and I think sure. everyone takes great pride in having winning records. But, yes, in terms of making the NCAA tournament, uh, it's that that's week in March is what it's going to it's going to be for this team. Although Missouri Valley certainly has a chance for two. Uh, oh, yeah. Indiana Valley, State keeps playing well, and they were up, could get upset. I think they would be a, have a legitimate argument for an at-large bid. I mean, Conference USA got two last year. And the at-large bid went to the Final Four. So, there's that. It it can happen, is all we're saying. Not going to happen this year for Conference USA, though. (laughs) Don't think they've got anybody over there that's that's really uh, tearing it up. But... Western Kentucky's been surprisingly good, huh? They have. Yeah, they're going to be a good team. Don't tell us. Don't tell us that. We don't care. Yeah, with a, with, a, with a Jacksonville State grad and an MTSU grad, Joe, we don't care. We're, we're not trying to hear about Western Kentucky a whole lot, to be honest. They did uh, have a nice win over Liberty, so that uh, they really which sort is of, a, uh, a big win. Yeah, yes. I mean that that is a big win. It really is. So you got to give them credit for that. Vanderbilt, meanwhile, had a really really impressive game against Alabama, who obviously is pretty good after what they did to South Carolina last night. Yeah. Then they go down to LSU and, you know, tough, tough loss, but a road loss. And I'm telling you, Joe, Vanderbilt's going to hurt somebody's feelings this year. Uh, I can't, I can't buy in, Chris. I really can't. Uh, I just they nearly did it in the first game. <laughs> so I, I got to tell you, I, at that Alabama game, at no time did I think Vanderbilt was going to win the game. <laughs> Probably. No time. Despite I know, them being. <laughs> yes. Even when they had the ball with a chance to tie, I, I, I just said, <laughs> who's the player who's going to make the, make that play to, to bring the ball over the Especially top. with Mignon out, right? Yes. Mignon was on the sidelines at that point. Right. So, but even Mignon, it's, it would have to be like he'd have to get fouled to make the free throws to make it happen. It yeah. is. Uh, uh, I think you make a case when you say they played to the comp- competitor's level. I think that that's proven true a lot. Uh, but I, I was I, I looked ahead at the schedule and they're they're about to lose their next five games in my opinion because it is at Mississippi, Auburn at home, uh, Mississippi State at home, Tennessee and at Auburn. You think Ooh. they can win any of those games? I'm they cannot win any of those games. I tell them they're going to win one of them. Then they play Missouri. They play Missouri and Memorial. I think it's probably Mississippi State at home. 
is their best chance. Shane Foster ain't walking through that door. <laughs> but I'm telling you, they're going to win one of them just because I, that's that's what Vanderbilt basketball is right now is the team you don't want to lose to, and something's going to happen. They're going to lose one. Of, they're going to win one of those games. I'll tell you, Saturday the score got to be 33 to 15, and I turned to, to two guys in a press box and I say, okay, it's over. And it was. I said, it's just a question of whether it's going to be 40 or 20, uh, depending on how much Alabama wants to keep paying attention. And Alabama really didn't keep paying attention, so it ended up being three. Three. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> but, but, it, but it was. Oh, Vanderbilt did not lead again at that point, right? No, never. Yeah. And, never. And, and South Carolina got the brunt of that, of Nate Oates. Uh, yeah, of them higher. not paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they paid attention the entire time against South Carolina last night. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny post-game press conferences. Jerry was not unhappy or, you know, obviously he's not happy with a loss, but he wasn't unhappy. You know, he's sort of like, you know, he, he saw the good in what his team did and Oates was burning. He was <laughs> so he mad was. at his group, you know. <laughs> I bet he was. Do you not want to be on the other side of that? But let's So here we go, it. Chris, another five. So you say they're going to win one of these games. They're going to win one of the five. I, I don't know. Which one is going to be? They're going to win one of the five. I'm uh, telling you, it's just who Vanderbilt is, and it's ridiculous. But well, they should not win one of those five. Right. That They certainly should not win one, but they will, just because it is what it is. Mo, were you buying into this? You know, which of those games are at home? Uh, Auburn, Mississippi State, and Tennessee are the three home games. You know, they tend to play Tennessee well in Memorial Gym. Do they not? I mean, I'm not going to say that they're going to win it, but I will not be shocked if they do. In any way. In in any way, shape, or form. Um, Joe, I want to mention, you, you talked about Marcus Fitzgerald being out for Tennessee State. They've got Lindenwood coming into Gentry Center on Saturday, which I would think is a game they should win with or without Marcus. First of consecutive games at home because they've got Tennessee Tech a week from tomorrow, which we'll talk again before that. But, you know, this is a team that's eight and nine overall. They've got some expectations in the Ohio Valley Conference sitting at one and three right now in league play. Um, Where do they go? What's what's what are the tweaks that need to take place over there? Uh, I, I really can't have any faith in them. That, you know, I'm still hung up on the Southern Indiana loss. Uh, and uh, they, those next two games, their next two games, as you said, is are Lindenwood and Tennessee Tech. And they have to. They must win them both if this is going to have any kind of relevancy in, this year. If they were to lose one or two, if you lose two, Look out below. So, like I say, and then after that, they have to go on the road to Western Illinois, which, you know, before the season started, Tennessee State would probably have been rated higher than them. But Western Illinois has done well. Uh, so we can't count that as a win out there. Uh, but it's I, I think we, ha- we you have to say they're disappointing, Tennessee State. They should be better. Their record should be better. They've had some at least two losses that should not have happened. That would be. Both were on the road, but Alabama A&M and Southern Indiana. So you fl- you flip those, Mo, and they're uh, they're they're ten and seven, mm-hmm. not as bad, right? Right. And two and two in league play. 
Yep. If you flip those. So yeah. Okay. So you can't right. you can't let these unless you're like at the top. Yeah, Moorhead State could afford to lose a game, but they can't. Not ones that they should win. Right. All right. Joe, as always, we appreciate it. We look forward to this each and every week talking about the hoops in Nashville. Always fun. And we hope, hopefully, we'll have more wins to talk about next week. <laughs> well, maybe from Belmont. It's uh, and so before I before I leave, can I say so? Vrabel's going to the Patriots. Is that what you guys decided? Yeah, or? yeah. He's, I, I, the, the Patriots don't have an opening at this moment. <laughs> I no. love you know. It's if I may, you know, it, it, all the listeners don't remember. I used to work in Boston, mm -hmm. and the idea that Bill Belichick on a press conference Monday issued issued a statement saying I'm under contract for net meaning for next season. It's the first time ever. And I was there from the beginning that he ever re re references contract ever. Suddenly it's important. I, I have, I mean, we have seen some social media reports that he may be potentially heading to Atlanta in a trade. So I, I don't know. Again, Joe, you worked in Boston. Heck, you probably know more about this than we do. I mean, we'll see. What what are you what are you hearing off the well, I, I, So I've heard this even before Vrabel ha uh, got fired, and before nothing's happened with Belichick yet, as you mm -hmm. as you stated. But uh, the Boston Globe uh, senior NFL writer Ben Volan has told me the Patriots want Vrabel. It was their home run hire. That's who they that's who they want to get. And now he's there for the taking. Well, yeah. Better get him while they can, because somebody else is going to. Yeah. Unless he just wants to do nothing and get paid from the Titans, which he could do. Yeah. It's going to be for an me, interesting few weeks. For me, too conservative in this modern age. Right. He's. I don't think he's kept up with the times. Ooh, okay. I, I think he's. I think he is a fantastic motivator of men. And I think he's I think he gets the most out of his players. But his downfall has been his choice of coordinators to this mm. point. And you know, for better or worse. Maybe maybe the second time around. We've seen guys Evolve. in their second job do better than, than in their first one. A lot of examples of that. So the th Bill, other thing about the other thing about Belichick included, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh Belichick especially. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Josh McDaniels has been seen in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium, uh, and so if you know he could come back as the offensive coordinator under Vrabel, that that certainly would change things. Mm. And uh, so was an Associated Press reporter. This is reported in the Boston Globe. Witnessed him entering the building. I guess he had a key card to get in. <laughs> quite, quite likely. Yeah. All right. Joe Sullivan, NashvilleHoops.blog. Following. What is it at Globe Sullivan on That's Twitter? Yeah. So check him out. He is a wealth of information on the local Division One basketball scene. Joe, we appreciate it. Thanks. Always a great time, guys. All right. All right. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world and in Alabama. Main Street Sports Day returns in a moment.
Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Yeah, we're back, and it is the weirdest and wildest news from across the world here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, live from the Lee Company studio, and we have not one, but two stories from the Birmingham metro area. One of them does one of them involve a fish tank? It does. Okay. <laughs> oh, Lord. 42-year-old George Aaron opens a stare at Alabama, facing multiple charges and could face more after his now viral cannonball swim into the fish tank at Bass Pro Shops in Leeds, which, by the way, is across the street from Bucky's. Roy Wood. Okay. Roy Wood Jr. Of yes, of the um, what is it? What's the show? Oh, I don't know that he was on. Um, the Stephen, the show that Stephen Colbert was on, the show that um, yeah. Noah was on. But I don't know. Yeah, which one of on the Comedy Channel? Anyway, he said, "This ain't Birmingham. This is Leeds. Leave that. Let, let Charles Barkley let Charles take Barkley. that L." Well, does it make it make sense though? Right? Come on, this yeah. is the home of Charles Barkley. Yeah. And it's a Bass Pro Shop. Mm -hmm. 
So. And there's a Bucky's across the street. You're bound to get some craziness to go on. And sure enough. And sure enough, George jumped into the fish tank naked. Naked. N-E-K-K-I-D. Naked. Mm-hmm. Because nobody wants to fight the naked man. It's obvious from the behavior of Owens' admissions that he had been taking drugs and that (laughs) we must continue to remind the public of the dangers associated with drug use. Leeds Police Police Chief Paul Irwin said, We are thankful that he was not severely injured and hopefully he will at some point take responsibility for his behavior. He did not accept any responsibility for his actions, but he states he remembers what occurred. It was the drug. Mm, it was the it drug. Mm, it mm, was the drug. Irwin mm. said last week that Owens was receiving mental health treatment after he was taken into custody. Irwin declined to comment on whether mental illness was a factor in the incident. Ah, I wish we could show it, but we can't. No. Because he was naked. So. But, Leeds Bass Pro Shop, hold my beer. Literally said Connor Paget, a party goer on New Year's Eve in Mountain Brook. Just which is also not in Alabama. I mean Birmingham, but it's like a suburb, right? It's this is that's where close to where Sanford is, right? It's the it's the Brentwood. It's the Brentwood of Birmingham. This is where, you know, Brentwood doesn't appreciate that. Well, I'm saying that this is the upper echelon richest people in Alabama live here. Mm-hmm. Neighborhood, but that—that's is that close to? Is it, Sanford close to there? Homewood is where Sanford is. So yes, but okay. no. Right. <laughs> They're neighboring cities, okay. Vestavia, okay. in that area. All right. Call the fire department to break this MF. Connor Paget screamed as he was inside of an urn. I didn't realize urns came that big. I didn't know either. I thought there was a reason for the urn, and it was to compact things, not to be big enough to hold an entire body. (laughs) That was not, you know, in a certain state. Mm -hmm. Twitter user Christy Yamaguchi main, which, by the way, is the best part of this video. I would just like to say, has amassed 13 million views and counting. There's a cracking sound. The crowd cheers. He is free. The urn has been shattered and our hero emerges unscathed. Our long national nightmare is over, said Casual Thursday on Twitter. People are now discussing the cost of the shattered urn. I'm hearing prices ranging from $500 to as high as $3,000. Urn guy's up and moving around, but now without pants. Everyone seems fine with this. He wants a cigarette. He wanted a double makers on the rocks. So I gave it to him. Now he's drinking alone and having a cigarette, still pantsless in the corner of the yard. So what, was he at a party? He was at a party. And he just decided to get get, in the urn? Yep. And I bet he won't be invited to the next one. (laughs) He's out of the, Connor Connor is out. Of the shrine. Of the shrine. He has turned in his ring and and his his belt. Exactly. Good Lord. Oh, man. Birmingham delivering on this wild and wacky Wednesday, I would just like to say. Well, as it so rarely does. Roy Wood Jr. would tell you this ain't Birmingham. This ain't Birmingham. No, these were were, uh, 
folks from the suburbs of Birmingham, the Outer Banks, if you will, of the area, please do not put this on the ham. <laughs> this ain't on us. We got we got our own problems. <laughs> but this ain't one of them. Yeah, or two of them, as a matter of fact. We got so, ninety nine. These ain't. We got ninety eight problems. But yeah. These ain't our two. Yeah, y'all yeah. tell somebody else. But yeah, so there you go. That's wild and wacky Wednesday here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bond Joint. Back no, no, to, no. Oh, back tomorrow. Yeah, we're back tomorrow. We're back tomorrow. Wild and wacky Wednesday, presented by. Oh, I. Nobody. You, if you want, give us a call. Come on, we'll see you then next, next time at 2 o'clock.